Hi, I'm Pastor Eric Tritton. This is a Weekly Word. Uh, welcome. I'm glad you're with me. Uh, we are here at Glory Day Lutheran Church. This is part of the church that we call the uh, the Luther Room, uh, where sometimes we have meetings and sometimes we have Bible studies and things like that. It's a quiet place for me to talk with you about uh, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, which is what we've been working through all summer. And today we really get to a key part of the story maybe the key part of the story. And it's the part of the story where we see Aslan most clearly as a Christ figure, as a symbol of Jesus and what he has done for us as C.S. Lewis does his supposing in Narnia. And it starts out with, uh, with Aslan sneaking off, heading off to do what he had agreed to do with the, uh, the witch. Um, Last week, I talked about the deep and the deeper magic, how the deep magic was similar to God's law in that it condemns us for our sin. And the deeper magic is similar to the gospel, how God saves us out of his love for us and and he brings death backwards. Well, Aslan is heading off to do what he agreed to do, to give himself in Edmund's place. And this is a burdensome task for him. And the girls, Susan and Lucy, actually witness this. They accompany him on this journey. There is a point where they're going to have to hide, but they see everything. Kind of the same way that in the gospel accounts, the women are the witnesses to the the whole crucifixion of Jesus. This is how C.S. Lewis describes Aslan at this point. He says, he looked somehow different from the Aslan they knew. His tail and his head hung low, and he walked slowly, as if he were very, very tired. Just this incredible burden has been placed on Aslan. And I think that there's a beautiful picture of this, prophetic picture, in Isaiah chapter 53, as Isaiah talks about the suffering servant. And when you read about the suffering servant, if you know Jesus, you you recognize exactly what he's talking about here. And it's this this image of, of Jesus coming and bearing our sin, suffering in our place, being rejected by the world. No wonder it's this burdensome, wearisome walk that Aslan is walking in this parallel. And as Aslan gets closer to the stone table where he will be executed, he's mocked, he's tied up, just as Jesus was was mocked and bound. And there's a point where Aslan is is actually shaved. And even here, there's this kind of a a backwards similarity to Jesus' crucifixion uh, because the the lion always has like this crown in his mane. But... uh, Jesus, he doesn't have a crown. They place a crown on him. But for Aslan, they take it away by shaving his head before he's slain. Uh, And we see similarities to this in the Psalms. In Psalm 69, it's almost like reading the crucifixion account right out of the Gospels. I really encourage you to check out these passages, Isaiah 53, Psalm 69. It's amazing uh, the way that they prophesy what Jesus would do for us. 
And it's really important when we think about these things to know that we can't avoid sharing this part of the message. We have to present Jesus as our crucified Savior. There's a, there's a great temptation. We, we like to talk about his miracles. We like to talk about his teaching. We like to talk about his victory over death and present him you know, glorious in heaven. But it's really at his death that Jesus rescues us from our sin. And in the same way, it's here at his death that Aslan rescues Edmund by dying in his place. Jesus dies in our place. He takes our sin upon himself and he dies nailing our sins to the cross like a public spectacle. That's what it says in in Colossians. And by faith, we receive his righteousness. And that's, that's what's happening here. Now, the time after Jesus death was a a time of great confusion and sorrow for the disciples. And similarly, it was a time of of sorrow and confusion for Lucy and and Susan. They don't know what to do. They're standing there by the body. They're trying to figure out how to take care of him. Uh, And I think that the horror of this whole scene is, is important when we talk about Jesus because it introduces the reader to, to an experience of, of evil. And it's important to know that evil is real and that it does terrible things. This horror of uh, Aslan's death, it's held in tension with his love for Edmund. And I think that that helps us to consider uh, the, the, the horror of Jesus' crucifixion kept in tension with his love for us as his sinful children that he wants to redeem and and to save. So this supposing of Aslan's sacrifice is accessible. It it takes the uh, uh, immediacy and kind of places it to the side and it allows the reader or your children as you talk with them to kind of think about it over here without it being too personal and then allows them to take that and then apply to themselves as they think about what Jesus did for them. So in this way, this is very different from a movie like The Passion of the Christ, which is, it just wouldn't be appropriate for children. It's so in your face. But the way that this is told, it presents the difficulty and the sadness and the just the fearfulness of the whole situation in a way that Kids and others can consider it and then also apply it as they think about what Jesus has done for them. So, so don't try to, to take the crucifixion out. Don't try to take the blood out of the story. It's an important part of the story. It's with his blood that Jesus pays for our sins. And that high cost is important. There's a point in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe where the girls are talking to each other um, and they ask if Edmund should know what Aslan did to save him. And their conclusion is that such knowledge would be too horrible. Well, they're wrong. Uh, and it's clear in following books that, that Edmund does know. Somehow he does learn what Aslan did for him. 
And in Edmund in the book, this knowing his Savior, knowing the cost of of his salvation makes all the difference. And I think that's true for us too. Knowing why Jesus died for us, knowing what he suffered, or at least having a, a rough idea of what he suffered for us, it's important in order that we can really recognize how much he loves us and what he was willing to do in order to redeem us. And Aslan's willingness is important in this story too. He's the one that strikes the deal with the witch to say that he'll give himself in Edmund's place. This is a stumbling block that I run into with people sometimes when I'm talking about Jesus with them. They look at God the Father as kind of this um, divine child abuser because he lays all of this on Jesus. Uh, And Jesus suffers and dies and and, and God kills his son um, in, in order to save us. But Jesus was very much part of this decision making process. Remember that Jesus is God. He is the second person of the Trinity. And this was part of his plan from before the beginning. This was part of his heart in order to save you. In Hebrews 12, verse 2, we hear that it was for the joy that was set before Jesus that he endured the cross and he scorned its shame in order to save us. So Jesus willingly and lovingly died for you and for me, died for the whole world, whether people believe that or not. And it was out of his love for us that he did that. It wasn't something that he was forced to do. He chose this path. He chose to die in order to redeem you and me and the world. And there is a feeling of I don't know, a feeling of futility in this scene. Even in the Gospels, there's a little bit of a, of a moment that it just feels like all is lost. And even, even in the story, the witch thinks that she is one at this point. In, in fact, as she's about to kill Aslan, she says, And now, you fool, who is one? Did you think that by all this you would save the human traitor? Now I will kill you instead of him. And that's going to satisfy the the deep magic. But when you are dead, what will prevent me from killing him as well? You have lost your own life and you have not saved his. In that knowledge, despair and die, she says. And I I believe that in our world today, Satan still seeks to take away those whom Jesus died for. He seeks to make victims of those that Jesus makes victorious by his death. And so it's important for us to remember, no, my sins are paid for. And any accusations that the devil, the world, even our own sinful nature might throw at us, they're satisfied in Jesus. And the victory is secure, not because of anything that we've done, but because Jesus did die for us and he has risen from the dead and he lives and he reigns to all eternity. Jesus' victory and salvation is something that must be revealed to people. It runs so counter 
the way our world usually works. In our world, when people die, they generally stay dead. But Jesus rises. And it's really hard in our world for a person to die in the place of another. But that's exactly what Jesus does. And part part of our privilege as Christians is that we get to share that horrible good news that Christ died and rose to save sinners. So don't turn away from this part of the story. And don't turn away from the crucifix. Remember what Jesus has done for you and see his love there. And when the opportunity comes to talk with your children about this or to talk with a friend about it, help them see that love. Don't don't turn away from this. Help them to look at it and see, there is my God who loves me. I hope this was helpful for you. you know, if it was, you know, please like it, share it, you know, help somebody else to find it. Um, thanks for being with me. God's blessings. Mm-hmm.